Hello and welcome to Care Insights with the Outstanding Society, a podcast created to share and celebrate best practice, help others to improve and learn more about the amazing career opportunities within social care. In this episode, Zoe continues to learn more about research conducted within the social care sector. She is joined by Louise Marsh, Social Care Research Associate at the University of Lincoln, Dr. Julian McGill, MBE, Non-Executive Director of Chiron Healthcare at Home Limited, and Debbie Ferguson, Head of Nursing, Bluebird Care Lincoln. I'm pleased to welcome Louise, Debbie and, and Julia to this episode of Care Insights with the Outstanding Society. We'll be discussing research and social care. Louise, can I come to you first and ask you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role, please? Uh, Thank you, Zoe. Uh, My professional background is nursing. I specialised many years ago in gerontology and care of the older person and worked with a a community health team uh, involved in developing services for older people um, in an outback area of northwest uh, New South Wales. Um, And then my family moved for what we thought was going to be a couple of years to the highlands of Scotland, where I worked as a district nurse in the Great Glen. I also nursed in the private nursing home sector, which was quite an eye-opening experience back in the late 80s and and 90s. Uh, I also worked for the NHS in Goldsby and Bona Bridge. And then in the mid-90s, I moved down to England um, with my young family then, and shift work wasn't quite so convenient. So I studied with the Open University in um, health and social care. And in 2002, took up a position in adult social care services in Stamford in Lincolnshire, uh, where I ended up bringing my nursing experience into social care. And then in 2005, I left the older persons team and set up a not-for-profit and charity Uh, specifically for supporting older and vulnerable adults with services and supports that neither health or social care were able to um, provide at the time. So we looked at things like developing social engagement opportunities and lunch clubs and uh, befriending and advocacy and helping people home from hospital and all that kind of of thing. And then in 2017, uh, we were invited uh, to take part in a research project looking at the experiences of older people as self-funders and we were the charity was invited to be a community partner in that collaborative co-participatory uh, three-year study and that's what really fueled my interest in research and I could see just what a wonderful experience it was and what the potential was and what it meant for some of our team to be actually involved and some of our service users to be involved in that and then in April 2020 I got very brave and joined the Clinical Research Network East Midlands as a social care research associate. And uh, my brief was to help raise awareness and build research activity within uh, the social care sector. And that included care homes, home care, and the voluntary charity faith sector providers as well. But I found myself particularly focusing on home care uh, and in July 2020 established the Research, Learning and Excellence Community of Home Care Providers, otherwise known as RELIC. Fantastic. Thank, thank you so much. It's such a diverse background and it's great to have you on the call today. Julia, could I come across to you, please, and ask you to introduce yourself? Well, hello. I'm a non-executive director with Chiron Healthcare at Home, which is a, a new family uh, business with 
two branches providing domiciliary care for older people and for people who have support needs because of learning disability, autism, um, and also people with acquired brain injury. Um, so my background is in, in, in health, uh, social care and education policy. So in, in the dim and distant past, I've been a deputy chief executive of an NHS trust covering mental health uh, services, learning disability and community services. Um, I then went on to be director of health strategy for the Welsh government. Uh, and then on to uh, academia as a visiting senior fellow with the Welsh Institute for Health and Social Care in what's now the University of, of South Wales. Um, so uh, quite a diverse and, and long experience in terms of working in these in these uh, in these policy in these policy fields. Um, my PhD is actually in um, uh, uh, health and social care. Um, applied health and social care policy. So um, one of the great interests I have is in taking um, what happens with research and actually making sure that we translate it from policy into practice. So um, with our new organisation, that's one of the, the, the themes that we've tried to pursue from the start is to actually ensure that we are um, developing the, 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 the company and its ethos in that way. So that we're, we're trying to operate at the vanguard of where research is going and to make sure that we've got evidence-based practice going on. Fantastic, thank you. Another diverse background and wonderful to, to hear about, you know, putting policy actually into practice, thank you. Debbie, could I come across to you please to ask you to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Debbie Ferguson. Um, my background is I was a nurse in the Royal Air Force for 22 years. Um, I left after 22 years and I decided to get some hands-on care in an actual care package, working with some carers uh, for a complex care uh, gentleman which was really rewarding. Um, I wasn't, I was using my nursing skills, but I was employed as a carer. And then um, I was quite impressed with the care team and how they looked after this gentleman and thought, that's what I would like to do. I would like to train carers and I would like to, you know, have some excellence out there uh, for nurses care, training carers in the community. So I, I worked for a care company in complex care for seven years and then um, I moved to Bluebird Care to become their head of nursing and um, Bluebird Care franchise. So I just cover the Lincolnshire area, Harrogate and Scarborough. Um, and I've been with Bluebird for six years now. They're a domiciliary care company, that, but they um, employ nurses because they also moved into the complex care market. So, so my role is to, it's governance and to train the carers and ensure competency and that the care packages are the best that they can be. Fantastic. Thank you, Debbie. And what a fantastic panel we've got today. If I could come back to you now, please, Julia. As a director, what is the importance of creating a culture of research within your organisation and how does it have a positive impact on the people in your care? Well, as I was saying, we decided to um, try to build in a research-based pro pro uh, approach right from the outset. And in fact, um, uh, it's, it's uh, a good place to start with the new organisation so that we've worked with our registered managers from the outset to actually um, 
uh, bring that kind of perspective to, to what's being done. And the registered managers are, are very enthusiastic about it and are advocating for this approach with, with care workers and people who use the services. Because what it's about is um, to, um, as I say, be at the vanguard of where practice is, is, is going, to, to be innovative, but also to make sure that um, practices that are there because they've always been there aren't accepted in an unreflecting way so that you are constantly challenging what what what, what you're doing now clearly the um it is is really important for us that we're actually co-producing care with the people who use who use our services um and so um we want them to be to to, to be confident that uh as they as we as we follow the approach of asking listening and acting um, on the basis of, of uh, the, the needs of, of service users as they would express them. That when we, we move to the action phase of that, that we actually introduce changes in a way that is as evidence-based as possible and to um, make sure that we're continuing to reflect and evaluate what we're doing and to, to develop that feedback loop. We also think that we can actually advocate for uh, the people who use our services with other stakeholders, including commissioners, because it is um, uh, it, it is sometimes the case that we may need to advocate for them to actually influence the shape of care packages. So that's the that that's the approach that we that we're, we're trying to build in, and it it is about ultimately improving outcomes and quality of life um, for for everybody that uses our services. I think one of the things that we are finding already is it's very useful to um, have some feedback loops, if you like, between the care that's provided for older people and the care that's provided for uh, younger people who might have learning disabilities, autism or acquired brain injury, because there's obviously a huge focus on um, integration into local communities and um, preventing isolation and access to education and to leisure leisure opportunities and to, and to those sorts of things. And we think actually that that is something that we are going to try to build in more for our, for our older clients as well. So that the, the insights and um, uh, benefits of approaches from one group can, in some circumstances, I think beneficially translate into the other group. So, uh, so that, that broadly is, is, is what we're trying to, to, to achieve. So initially, um, as I say, we're a small developing organisation, so we've got obviously in, uh, limit, limited capacity at the moment to, to undertake uh, primary, primary research, but I'll come back to that. But it has been very important at the outset to reach out to organisations like Relic, and uh, Louise has been incredibly helpful with that, and to some of the other research fora in, in the UK. So. Uh, King's College London also have a forum and so does uh, the University of Birmingham and the Health Foundation with Impact. And they are particularly looking at this issue of, of translating um, evidence into, into practice. So really I'd, I'd encourage um, domiciliary care providers um, all to consider uh, the benefits of, of trying to engage with these types of, of organisations because that is the way of uh, what can be quite a fragmented um, set of services uh, 
really keeping abreast of where uh, research is going and where practice should be developing and, and developing communities of practice that should actually help services across the board improve. Fantastic. Thank, thank you very much. And I, I think there are a few things that, that you said there. I think co-production is, is so important. And, and sometimes people see researchers as people coming into organisations, but you're clearly embracing your nurses, your carers, people who use, yeah. use the services. And Can, I, you know, yeah. Yeah. Can I just give you a little illustration of, of, of that, actually? Of about, course. This, this goes back to, to um, research that was done as part of the updating of... Um, uh, the legislation on adult safeguarding in Wales a few years ago and it's really important to um, make sure that the people that are involved are actually framing studies and framing the questions really important and that uh, as, as an illustration people with learning disabilities were supported by experts who helped in communication so that in, in, in we could actually access their, their views on, on, on things in a, in a way that they could communicate um, and that supported them in that way. And some of the things that came out of the issues around safeguarding was that, as you might expect, if they got involved with the criminal justice system, things like videotaping evidence, officials and lawyers not wearing wigs and gowns and so on, telling people what would happen, showing them the premises first, were all regarded as positive things. But the key thing that came out, and this was not, I think, what we would have expected going in, was um, a, a comments a, 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 along the lines of, the only time we've been involved in anything like that, people with learning disabilities weren't believed anyway. And that they felt that the whole idea of updating safeguarding was undermined until they saw um, prosecutions uh, that were successfully concluded where people with learning disabilities were being were giving evidence, were supported to give evidence and were believed. And that led to quite a, a very constructive conversation with the CPS who um, had to really reappraise what they classified as a reliable witness. So I think that that just gives an illustration that that um, it's not it's not sort of an esoteric thing research that these sorts of approaches are really important. And if you take an, uh, um, an approach of co-production with, with people who are directly involved, it can take off in directions you're not expecting. Thank you for sharing that, Julia. I think that's a, the, a fantastic example of co-production. If I could come back across to you now, Louise, please. Can you tell me about research that's been undertaken and the positive ways for academics and providers to come together in research? Yeah, I, I think certainly with the RELIC members, I, I felt it was really important to start very, very basically um, because home support or home care has not uh, had any kind of real research focus at all. There's, there hasn't been engagement. We started with the simple things like what relevant research is already out there that you can access. So things like register with NICE and SI and NIHR evidence and skills for care. So basic things like that. And then having conversations with your team about research, etc. But the kind of things that they've been involved in have been uh, simple surveys, uh, interviews, uh, connecting with uh, organisations like Impact at Birmingham uh, and joint dementia research, they've been involved with that. And interestingly, there's been a number of universities who've heard about RELIC and so they've contacted us and, and are inviting RELIC members to participate in all kinds of uh, studies that are coming through relevant to home care. So 
uh, value-based recruitment for home care and situational judgment tests, uh, a home care study with ARC in Nottingham, physical activity and a dementia study, uh, barriers to quality home care delivery, moral injury, sorted, which is a study between uh, the relationship between oral care and dementia, the GLAD study, which is a genetic links between anxiety and depression, uh, home care study on dementia with KCL, uh, forward dementia, and interestingly, uh, an unexpected uh, element that's kind of developed with Relic is that the, the, the manager's experience and expertise is now really being sought after by researchers, particularly in trying to create uh, research questions. And they've also been involved in at least two working parties uh, to help promote social care issues for research. So it's been really wonderful the way that RELIC members have been able to uh, give of their experience and that they're being listened to and given opportunity to, to share what their challenges and experiences are. But very simply in terms of connecting academics with providers, I think, you know, the more we just talk to each other, the more we connect and listen to each other's uh, respective perspectives and, and understand each other's frameworks, the, the often frameworks that we operate in, the many challenges and barriers, but also um, the growing number of opportunities. So ultimately, I think the most positive step we can take is, is focusing on building relationships. And that takes time. Uh, and we certainly need to adopt an attitude of willing to listen and learn from the other. Uh, but I do believe, Zoe, that uh, that it's always beneficial and fruitful. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Louise. And and, and do you think it's you, you, you mentioned about the research questions again, going back to co-production, it's it's people using the services, it's members of the team that are actually coming up with the problems or coming up with the question that they want to be asked and then academics and providers working together to, to ultimately improve the care of people that we're looking after. Absolutely. And, and I think with my first very positive experience in that three year study, it was absolutely co-participatory service users, family members, frontline workers, managers uh, and, and allied services. It was such a wonderful example of what could be achieved when people listen together, work together. Um, and it's, you know, it's involving the people who, who are really on the coalface and uh, absolutely crucial way to, to, uh, to approach research. Fantastic. Thank you, Louise. And Debbie, if I could come back across to you now, as, as head of nursing, can you tell me how you think being involved in research in social care provides evidence for best practice across the Chloe's and how it actually benefits the residents and teams within your care? Yeah, sure. I think it's um, definitely allows us to challenge other healthcare professionals um, if we think the care isn't as it should be. So we're, we are always um, in contact with community nurses and asking, well, why isn't this happening or why are you doing that? Um, have you read this piece of research um, to support what we're doing or, you know, what can we do? Um, I think as well, attending the RELIC meetings has given us the confidence and some further information because it's very difficult to know what research is out there and keep abreast of everything. But by being part of the RELIC committee, well, the RELIC team, um, they, they focus us 
and allow us to see what is actually happening and what the outcomes are from research. So I think um, as well, it, it's sort of given us the boost that we would like to be involved in, in participating in doing some of our own research in future. Um, obviously the CQC standards are changing, so it's going to be going to quality standards and topic areas. And I think making sure that we are safe, effective and caring, responsive and well-led is evidence-based and it has to be evidence-based. Um, so I think that's that's sort of the the angle we come from, really. Make and and the carers as well. You know, we're we're educating the carers all the time, and the carers, the hands-on carers, and the families like for us to say, well, have a look at this piece of research, and then they are challenging their GPs and their healthcare professionals as well to to ensure that best practice is is happening for them. Fantastic. Thanks, Debbie. And, and and you briefly mentioned about the impact, but but can you tell me a bit about a project that you've actually been involved with and, and what the impact had to, to the organisation? Um, well, we did. We were involved in some research um, on a watch to detect falls. So we did a little bit of research into that with some of our patients, our customers, as we call them, um, and we fed back to the company. So in Lincolnshire, uh, the biggest um, problem we found with that particular device was the GPS signal. Um, it didn't it didn't pick up exactly where people were. So. Um, it was saying that somebody in Lincolnshire was in South Africa. So we fed that back to the company and then setting up the watch, because um, I think the end result would be that a, a, a patient themselves or their families or their carer could set it up and use it independently themselves. And the setup was very complicated um, and the company had to keep coming out to set it up. And then as well, uh, for the signal, it had to be plugged in constantly. There had to be a receiver plugged in. And lots of elderly people don't like to have things plugged in overnight. So they were switching the plugs off, which stopped the uh, signal to the device working. So that is one project. So we fed all that back to the company and, and I think they are looking into different, different areas of that and how they can improve that technology. Fantastic. I think that's some, some really good practical examples. Thank you very much, Debbie. If I could come across to you now, please, Louise. Um, you've obviously got quite a diverse background. We, we do know that there are some barriers to research within social care, which, are, which I think we're overcoming more and more with the amazing projects that are taking place across the sector. But do you think there also needs to be an element of educating research about what social care is and how it differs from health? Yes, definitely, Zoe. Uh, I think it's incredibly important for researchers to understand that while social care is allied to health, it is a vastly different sector made up of a, a wide range of providers who are commercial, uh, corporate, franchise, business, uh, not-for-profit, charity. Um, some have local authority contracts, others only deal with uh, self-funders. Uh, so that it's just vastly vastly different there's no uniformity on any level so that makes it very difficult for researchers accustomed to NHS frameworks and processes to effectively engage with social care providers 
So, you know, it's really helpful for researchers to understand who pays for social care. Uh, I, I met a researcher very early in my role who, who thought that the NHS funded social care. So it's really important to understand who pays, who delivers it, and, and to understand sensitively the, the status of social care uh, workforce. You know, very often they feel like the poor cousin to health. And I think it's important to understand that. Um, and the workforce challenges and how these impact on perception and care delivery and the quality and equity of provision. So these issues are, are vast, but they're not unsurmountable. Um, but I do think it helps researchers to be aware of the power dynamics, the language. You know, we, we don't deal with patients per se, we deal with people. Um, and, and the clinical language can sometimes be a little bit obstructive uh, un unwittingly. And just being sensitive to the extreme pressures that social care providers are, are under, um, not just at, you know in the winter season or, or whatever, but uh, just staff shortages, that the whole recruitment and retention issue similar to health is, is, is huge in social care as well. So um, I, I think it's really important, again, getting back to that relationship building um, and uh, getting to know uh, know the territory before you approach managers and simple things like getting to know their name, where they serve, what services they provide, all those sorts of things are helpful in, in engaging. And so, yes, I think it is really, really important. And then mutually as well, learning the research journey, all of the frameworks and procedures, the ethics, the criteria, the, uh, you know, the governance, all of those important issues. So, yes, but researchers, uh, it's a very, very different world to health. And I think crucially, one of the things I have observed, uh, particularly as the focus is, is shifting more and more into social care, is that uh, historical traditional researchers often refer to social care research uh, as a setting um, instead of social care being a vital uh, service in its own right with its own research issues uh, so so all of those things are, are, are really important and, and social care is not just a non-HS research setting but I think great progress is being made and I get very excited when I see uh, you know little steps being made and and just the pleasure really of, of connecting well with researchers and, and sharing sharing knowledge and experience and I think that will go a long way to helping smooth the road uh, in social care research as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Louise. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. I'd like to come to each one of you now to, to ask a final question. And that would be, what would be one sentence to describe the benefits of research and social care? Could I come to you first, please, Julia? Yeah, so, um, well, research promotes innovation. It challenges existing beliefs about what best practice is and what it should be, and supports evidence-based and reflective care services to improve outcomes for and the quality of life of people who have support needs. Fantastic. Thank you, Julia. And Debbie, could I come across to you, please? I think that research that is conducted with the carers, families and patients that receive social care can evidence where funding can be utilised and make it equitable. I think research can actually show where the money can make a difference and not where it would be perceived to make a difference. Fantastic. Thank you, Debbie. And Louise, can I ask you for your final words, please? 
Yeah, Zoe, I think social care research has the potential to facilitate innovation and creativity and lift up the status of social care and the wonderful people who deliver it up by the boost traps. I would like to thank Louise, Debbie and Julia for their participation in Care Insights with the Outstanding Society. The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.